Thank you on that. Um, I do hope that if you have your Bibles, you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 15, and I, I want to look at really just one verse with you this morning. Just to make sure that we are all on the same page, we are doing a series on uh, wonderful words. And I told someone, a, a number of people this week, I said, you know, I'm preaching on something this Sunday that no one wants to hear about. And our word is the word sin. So I'll be preaching on the word sin. Um, before I jump into that, I want to read you um, why I believe that it's important for Pastor Dan and myself to, to preach through a series that would be more, would be uh, on doctrine, if I can say that, as far as the doctrine of, of, of God's word, how important doctrine is. And I, I've said to you in the past about, uh, you know, like Romans chapter 1 through 11 is about doctrine. And then chapters 12 and following is on duties. Um, you know, Ephesians 1 through 3 is on doctrine. And then chapters 4 through 6 is on duties. It's, it's, it's practical. And folks, we have to have right doctrine to have right living. You have to have right creed to have a right conduct. And uh, Tim Chalice in 2007, he wrote this that I thought was important and just kind of want to lay the foundation that week by week by week, we're going to be going over words that are significant when it comes to doctrine. We are doing something different as we have in the past in the sense where we go through the book of the Bible systematically. This is more of a topical um, format, but we're trying to stay as in passages like Dan preached Psalm 145 last week. Is that correct? Um, see, I remembered. I was listening. Um, we're doing our best um, to make sure that we understand these truths. Tim Chalice said this. He says, true doctrine originates with God, comes from the Bible, and agrees with the whole of Scripture. Because such doctrine is sound, it is healthy and profitable for us. And we are responsible for holding it. Then he goes on and says, False doctrine originates with man, does not come from the Bible, and contradicts portions of Scripture. Because such doctrine is unsound, it is unhealthy and unprofitable for us, and we are responsible for rejecting it. We live in a day today that there are many things taught as doctrine in churches that are not sound doctrine. And it's important for you as a follower of Christ to have a biblical basis of understanding of why you do what you do. And we're going to be looking at really the word sin this morning. Um, Chalice goes on to talk about false doctrine. He says, false doctrine confuses truth and error, while sound doctrine distinguishes between truth and error. False doctrine prevents godliness, while sound doctrine promotes godliness. False doctrine promotes sin, while sound doctrine prevents sin. False doctrine elevates ungodly leadership, while sound doctrine qualifies godly leadership. False doctrine permits false teachers, while sound doctrine protects against false teachers. False doctrine removes God's blessings, while sound doctrine ensures God's blessing. 
False doctrine debilitates the church for times of difficulty, while sound doctrine equips the church for times of difficulty. And then last, false doctrine weakens the future church, while sound doctrine strengthens the future church. And quite honestly, folks, we live in a very weak society of what it really means to follow Christ. Um, we're very blessed to live in the area that we are, and we're in a Bible belt, but we can just kind of be sarah sarah, or we can be reminded and challenged to being followers of the truth, humbly, passionately pursuing Christ in our relationship day by day. And I think it's important for us to understand uh, these doctrines that are going to be preached, but also this one in particular. This is all by way of introduction. I want to say to you as a church that repentance and reconciliation ought to be at the forefront of one of our missions at a church, as a church. That we first and foremost, that we are repenting of our sin. We are running from our sin. We're confessing our, our sin. But in the same sense, when we enter into a relationship with Christ and we understand what that is, then we have the responsibility of proclaiming the truth, the good news, the gospel, to other people that they might be reconciled to God. And we must understand this doctrine this morning, the doctrine of sin, in a biblical way for us to understand how we are to live and impact others around us. And when I mentioned that we we're going to be looking at sin this morning. Can I challenge all of us this morning not to do what um, we might be inclined to do? A number of years ago, I used to go take teenagers to the Cook County Jail in uh, Chicago. And you go into a jail ministry, and, and it's not long before you start talking to someone, and they're going to start comparing themselves with someone else in the jail. They're going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm here because of this. Usually, they're, they're not there because of that. They didn't do it, all right? That's, that's usually what it is. And then, but the next answer is as well, yeah, I did do this, but I'm not as bad as that person. And in the jail, you can always find someone who's worse than you. Well, I didn't kill 10 people. I, yeah, yeah, I killed 10 people, but that person killed 11 people. And in a church setting, we can be like the Pharisee of old, where we have our act together, where we're religious, we cross our T's and dot our I's, and we can say, Lord, I'm, I'm thankful like I'm not like, like my neighbor, like that publican. And this message is not for you to be equipped to talk about someone else about their sin. It's for us to understand our sin and the gospel, the good news of Christ and what he's done for us and to praise him and love him and serve him for all that he has done for us. So, um, got a very detailed outline this morning. Got two slides for you. Someone came to me earlier and said, Pastor, did we get all your notes? I said, yes, you got all our notes. So all you have to do is memorize two points this morning. Number one, sin is our problem. Sin is our problem. As I started studying the word, the connotations, uh, I'm not even going to go through all the different words, 
that are used for sin in our Bible. But I'm going to give you some, some words that are used throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It talks about depravity, corruption, inattention. That is that, that we're supposed to be listening to God, but we don't. It talks about error. It talks about godlessness. It talks about ignorance. It talks about iniquity or, or having a lack of integrity. It talks about that we are lawless, that we are lawbreakers. It talks about perversion and rebellion and transgression and treachery and wickedness and unrighteousness. And the word that's used most in the Old Testament about 600 times and used in the New Testament about 300 times is the word that we get for missing the mark. The imagery is like you have a bow and arrow and you pull that arrow back and you shoot that arrow at a target and it's not like you hit you even hit the target it's not like oh I didn't hit the bullseye I'm just on the outside I, I only get so many points folks you you shoot that arrow and it falls way short of the target it's missing the mark it's being out of bounds. It's not even coming close. And the Bible says when we are, when it talks about sin, that we miss God's mark. God in all of his holiness, as humans, we don't even come close. 600 times in the Old Testament, 300 times in the New Testament. And I thought after I read all of these definitions and everything else, I thought, you know what? As human beings, we do a pretty good job sinning there's all kinds of ways that we sin and you know that and I know that we need to remember this morning that sin never pleases God that sin is always going to hurt you it never pleases God it will always destroy the sinner. Sin is never advantageous to the sinner. And without God's help, folks, we are dead men walking. I'm going to preach on sin, but I've got to get to the good news. And I'm not going to get to the good news until we understand the bad news, because so often today we live in a feel-good world that everyone wants to just be happy but what is that happiness based on? What is that joy based on? It's got to be based on the truth. And we'll never get to the truth un until we understand the sin. Whether you are here this morning as someone who does not know Christ, or whether you're here as a follower of Christ, you need to understand what do we do with our sin? How's that going to work? So... I want to ask the question this morning, what is sin? What does the Bible say sin is? 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 says that sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is breaking God's law. I like what A.H. Strong says when he defines sin. He says, sin is, a, is lack of conformity to the moral law of God, either in act, disposition, or state. 
And when we act the way that God would not act, we break his law. We, we sin against him. And by the way, sin is first and foremost against God. David said in Psalm 51, when he committed and was confessing his sin to God, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. And, you, and we may sin and, and we may have collateral damage because of our sin, but we need to understand that it is our sin is a, an affront to God first and foremost. And that sin separates us from God. So sin is the transgression of the law. And you may ask this question this morning, where did sin come from? How did sin get here? I'd give you two answers. Number one, if you're talking about the universe at large, then, then we're going to have to go back to the heart of Lucifer. A number of passages, but in just one passage, in Ezekiel 28, verse 15, you were, you were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created. By the way, he was created. He was created being, right? Till unrighteousness was found in you. So if you ever say, the devil made me do it, we could say that is where sin originated from the universe. If you want to talk about here on earth, then we're going to go back to Genesis when Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and they fell. The Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And, and folks, imagine this. The Lord says, see that tree there? You can eat of that one. See that one there? You can eat of that one there. That one over there? Yep, that one there. That one, that one, that one, that one. All these trees. But listen, this tree here, I don't want you to eat of that one. Where does the heart get tempted? It's not all the things that God's given, but we look at the one thing that don't eat of that. And that's where we're tempted. Genesis 3, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, there, sin can be good for food. It can be delightful to the eyes, as it was with Eve. And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it, took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You can have all this, but not this. And where do they go? Because they believe the lie of the devil. The third question I'm going to ask this morning is what are the consequences of sin? What are the consequences of sin? First of all, there is a physical death. We understand that, right? Because we sin, we die. The Lord says the day that you'll eat it, you will die. There will be a physical death. So, so one consequence is there's going to be physical death. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, the soul who sins shall die. James chapter 1 and verse 15, uh, 15, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. And there are people who will be laid to rest, and ultimately it goes back to sin. 
Do you realize that sin is the leading cause of death today? It's going to happen. But folks, there's another consequence to sin. It's not what the Bible says is just the physical death. It's the second death. It's a spiritual death. In Romans chapter 6, when I explain the gospel, I, I, I usually get to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. And the illustration I usually give is like if you worked for me for a week and I told you I was going to pay you so much per hour, you work so many hours a week. At the end of the week, you come to my office on Friday and you say, hey, I worked for you and I need my wages. That's an old word. I need my paycheck, right? If you came to my office after working so many hours and I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to pay you this week. You worked, you did what I asked you to do, but I'm not going to be able to pay you this week. Would you be upset or would you be happy? You'd be upset with your pastor. That's terrible. You'd be upset because you would say, listen, this was our agreement. I worked for it. I earned it. God's word says that the wages of our sin is death. The consequence to our sin is death, and that's just not the physical death, because it goes on in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So whatever this death is, is just the opposite of eternal life through Christ. And that would be the opposite of heaven would be hell. Because we sin, we die physically. Because we sin, we deserve hell. That's what everyone deserves in this room. We deserve hell. Revelation says this, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and hell, or death and Hades, were thrown in the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Revelation 21 and verse 8 says, but the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death. And you might say, well, I'm not unbelievable, uh, un unbeliever, I'm not abominable, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a whoremonger, I'm not a sorcerer, I'm not an idolater. And I would say, are you a liar? Have you ever lied? Liars deserve their part in the lake of fire. That's what sin will do to us. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. There are two types of people. There are those who are living here on earth that look to the Lord and say, as you wish. Romans chapter 14 and verse 11, every knee will bow. And there are those who are followers of Christ who look to him and say, as you wish, we have hearts of surrender, your God, and we're following you. And then there are those who that the Lord will say to them one day, as 
you wish. They want no part of God. They don't want Jesus. And they will suffer an eternal hell that the Bible calls the second death. I don't know what your thoughts are, but that ought to be a concern for you, for those who don't know Christ. Is there any heart of compassion, concern for those who do not know the Lord? Is there any preaching of the gospel? Is there redemptive relationships? Do you ever talk about Jesus to other people? Eternity without Christ is hell. God help us to be concerned about others. If you're here this morning, you say, okay, I, I understand sin and what sin is and the consequences of sin, but am I a sinner? Well, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but yes, you're a sinner. You're a sinner because you inherited Adam's sin. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And it's so funny that people are like, well, you know, why did I get a bum deal because of like Adam? Adam did something thousands of years ago, and then I get a bum deal because of his sin. And I'm like, listen, dude, if you were in the garden, you would have blown it quicker than Adam would have done. You say, well, that's not fair. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Why, why, why are we sinners? Because he's a sinner. Also in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, for as one man's obedience, many were made righteous. That's not fair either. <laughs> That's the good news. We're sinners because we inherited Adam's nature, but we're also sinners because we're born a sinner. Psalm 51 and verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in, in iniquity and, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 58 and verse 3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. You, the, you that are parents, did you ever have to sit down with your kids and say, listen, let me just teach you how to lie. Let me tell you, let me teach you how to be mean to others. This is important. Let me teach you how to be selfish. Say the word mine, mine. You know, you don't have to teach kids that. They're, they're pretty good at it already. Here's what I do is when I study and then I eventually I save my document. Usually I save it in the beginning. Sometimes people say save it as you open it up. But my, 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 my name for this document, which is under my sermon series, Wonderful Words, the word... Is, is just the word sin. So I have it in a Word document, and then I transfer it on Sunday mornings over into a PDF, and then I, I throw it over there to a um, Dropbox. And this morning, as I was dropping it in Dropbox so I could have it on my electronic tablet this morning, it said the words, when I dropped it in Dropbox, it says, Uploading Sin. And I thought, you know what? We don't have to upload sin. It's, it's already there. We've got it. Yeah, we're sinners because of Adam's choice, but we're sinners because we choose to sin. 
we break God's rules. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 20, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Galatians 3 and verse 22, But the scripture has concluded that all are under sin. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and come short. They miss the mark of the glory of God. Another illustration that I like to give is like being in the Grand Canyon. There's a vast space between one side and the other, and it's not like someone runs and jumps off the Grand Canyon to get to the other side, and like they, they, just, they just almost make it. No, if you don't do this, all right? This, do, do not do this. But if someone tried to jump off the Grand Canyon, it's not like they're, they're even going to go halfway. They're going to fall way short. And that's what the Bible says, that we fall way short of God's glory. Another question I want to ask this morning, what cannot wash away my sin? If we've got sin, we're all sinners, what are we going to do about it? You might say, I know, Pastor, I'm just going to work hard, I'm just going to be a good person, and I'm just going to let my good outweigh my bad. That's what I thought when I was a teenager. I'm not that bad of a person, I've never murdered someone. It's amazing how many people think that way. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians? It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one would boast. I mean, if we could work our way to heaven, then why would Jesus have to come here on earth and, and, and be on the cross to take our place? And isn't it so much like mankind that we would boast, hey, I'm here not because of him, but because <laughs> look, look what I did. There's not going to be one person that's going to be in heaven because of anything that they did. Nothing that you can do, nothing will merit God's favor. If you're in heaven, it's by the grace of God. It's by God's grace. Titus 3 and verse 5, He saved us not because of works which we have done, uh, done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Say, okay, it's not works, but you know what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get baptized. When I was 13, I was confirmed, went to these classes in this church, did not know Jesus, but you know what I did is I got baptized. I went down a sinner and I came up a sinner. What can wash away our sins? It's not baptism. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, Paul said, and this is, a, this is an important verse for the, the area that we live in. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He makes a distinction between baptism and the gospel, knowing Jesus. If you get baptized, it's because you want to identify your life with Christ. You want to make a public profession of an inward possession. Your sins will not be washed away when you get baptized. You're just publicly pro proclaiming Christ. 
And if you have been saved and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. You need to follow the Lord in baptism. Acts chapter 8, speaking of Philip and the eunuch, as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He's to believe. Religious affiliation or church membership will not save you. Romans chapter 2. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Just because you're a member of Community Baptist Church does not mean you're a member of the church. We ask people who join our church, tell me when you came to know the Lord. And I hope you genuinely know the Lord. I hope you're genuinely part of the church, God's church. What will not save us, it's not money. You can give all the money, everything you have. It's not going to give you, make a lick of good, as they say. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 18, Knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's not our willingness to give away our money that merits anything with the Lord. Point number two with you this morning. Sin is our problem. Point number two, Christ is our only hope. Christ is our only hope. If we've got the baggage, we've got the problem, we've got the burden, then we have to understand that the gospel is literally the good news. And this is where the good news happens when we understand that Christ is our only hope. John said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There he is. That's Jesus. He will deal with our sin. He dealt with our sin on the cross. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And we sang this morning, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus that Christ shed his blood for our sins. He paid the debt that we deserved with his blood. Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Going back to 1 Peter, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with a perishable thing such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like, a, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What man needed is they needed a perfect sacrifice, and God, the God-man, came to earth to give his life for our sins. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's the one who came. 
and put himself on the cross that he might bear our sins that we deserve physical death eternal death the judgment of God was poured out on Jesus Romans chapter 3 24 and 25 and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 since therefore we have now been justified by his blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the rulers of the kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our world by his blood in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 19 and they sang a new song saying worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people from God from every tribe and language and people and nation and truly folks there's great theology that Christ sacrificed his life his blood to pay for our sin in John's gospel John chapter 19 and you think about Christ is on the cross and he yells out the words it is finished what was finished it wasn't just his life it wasn't that his life was coming to an end but the very purpose of his coming to the earth of taking our place suffering our hell to tell us die it's a, it's, it's a declaration of victory that the price has been paid the victory has been won and Christ took our sin on him and we have to ask this morning what's the response folks you're, you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 3 look, look at verse 3 it says that Christ died for our sin we've looked at the word sin which is our problem we've considered that he died the consequences of our sin and we understand that Christ is the answer to our sin by what he did he died that Christ died for our sin what's a what's a what's a response look in verse 11 whether then it was I or they so we preach and so you believed if you're here this morning without Christ you need to believe on Jesus and a lot of people when they hear the word believe they think it's just the, the intellectual like acknowledging God but the Bible says that the devils believe, they acknowledge God, they tremble, they even respond emotionally. But they're not believers in that sense. Belief is, yes, having the knowledge intellectually, but, but also of, of putting your faith, putting your trust, putting your, your, your everything on who Jesus is. Just as you're sitting in a chair, not one of you, I don't think, doubted whether or not that chair was going to hold you up. You put your full weight and you allowed that chair to, to hold you up completely. 
And it's not that we put our full weight on our good works or our baptism, our church membership. It's not, well, I'm going to do this and this. I'm going to, I'm going to put my weight on Jesus and, and this here. No, it's, it's, it's all on Jesus. It's all on Jesus. We are to believe. Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 when he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John chapter 5 and verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Romans chapter 10 and verses 9 and 10, because if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, as I preach and as I'm bringing this to a conclusion, you're here this morning that you either know Christ or you don't know Christ. When you leave this building, and perhaps even before you leave this building, you will sin. Perhaps when you get in your car with your family members, another family member that you would attest is not spirit-filled and you respond to them in an unspirit-filled way. Folks, we will all sin. What are we going to do? 1 John 2, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Don't sin. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do. Have a commitment. No, I, don't sin. And here's where it's practical. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. You go to Jesus. You confess your sin. You repent of your sin. Don't sin. But when you do sin, you confess, you agree with God about your sin. And he is just and faithful to forgive all of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Have short accounts with the Lord. Have short accounts of sin with other people. You confess, you repent, you make it right. Consequences of sin in our lives, the loss of light, the loss of joy, the loss of peace, the loss of love, the loss of fellowship, the loss of testimony, the loss of rewards, and even possibly the loss of health and even physical death. Why would we sin? We have a lot to pay. We have a lot to lose when we sin. Lord, Help us to walk by your grace. Help us to walk in your spirit. Strengthen us that we might sin less, that we might be sanctified. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you have to answer the question, 
Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he died in your place? Do you believe that he paid your penalty? Do you believe that he would save you from your sin if you ask him? And if you're here this morning without Christ, I don't care how religious, I don't care what member of a church you are, uh, we'd love to speak with you about how you can know Christ this morning. Glory in the gospel of Christ and all he's done. Let's pray. Heads are bowed. Well, what are you going to do about sin? My brothers and sisters, we are not to run or take a step towards sin. It'll hurt us. It'll destroy us. It'll be an affront to God. And there's a struggle in our heart if you're a believer that perhaps you say, well, I just don't understand why do I do this and I just don't get the victory. You need to ask other people to pray with you, to come alongside of you, you need to be a student of the word. You need to surrender your life on a daily basis to the Spirit of God, asking the Spirit of God to transform and bring forth fruits that only He can bring forth in your life. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts. And even as we think about our sin, Lord, I think it was John Newton said, I know that two things. I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that I have a great Savior. I pray that you would help us to remember that, yes, we're sinners. But what a wonderful Savior that we have. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.